This is episode number 80 with Rob O'Neill. Welcome to American Snippets, your source for inspirational, motivational, and selfless stories and interviews from exceptional people across the nation. And now, here's your host, Barb Allen and Dave Brown. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the American Snippets podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's show. My name is Dave Brown. I'm a real estate investor, lifestyle entrepreneur, and the co-host here, along with my partner, Gold Star Wife, author and speaker, Barbara Allen. And it's our goal each week to feature stories that will not only inspire you, but propel you into action in your own life. These are inspiring stories and interviews from military heroes, influential entrepreneurs, celebrities, and exceptional Americans who are giving back both in business and in everyday life. Whether they are, again, celebrities or small-town heroes, each guest is a shining example of the American spirit. And today's guest is no exception to that. The only thing cooler than having Rob O'Neill on the show was having his brother Tom on as well. This week's episode comes to you via a Facebook Live that we recently did with Rob O'Neill. And in between the jokes and the sarcastic comments, Rob shared his thoughts on the power of a positive mindset, the challenges faced by veterans, and the value they bring to the workforce. Like many of his special ops brothers, Rob did not have the experience in the business world, and there was no roadmap indicating how to get from point A to point B. Fortunately, Rob found his way to a successful career as a public speaker, television analyst, and author. And now Rob is paying it forward by helping fellow veterans and military families in need through his nonprofit, Your Grateful Nation. Both Rob and his brother, Tom, have their own opinions on the viability of the American dream today, and they share that as well in this episode of American Snippets. And of course... In this interview, we also chat with Rob about rescuing Captain Phillips and shooting Osama bin Laden. So without further ado, here is a Barbara Allen with Robert O'Neill. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another exciting adventure of American Snippets Live. <laughs> I'm sure tonight's guest doesn't really need an introduction, and we'll hang out a little bit for people who maybe have lost patience and screw them. They can come yeah, back, yeah. right? They're lost. <laughs> it was well worth the wait because now we have two O'Neills. <laughs> yeah, we, I had to get him in to help with the troubleshooting because he's the brains and obviously the looks in the family. I'm just the uh, clearly. stuff taken care of. It's not easy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, I love it. The more people there, bring everybody in. We'll just rock it and have like a little party. That's the fun of doing this. You know, we're not exactly Fox News or anybody like that. We can just have fun, um, you know, along the way because... There's plenty of life that isn't fun, so you may as well just go with it. So, yes, tonight's guest doesn't really need much of an introduction. Rob O'Neill, I got to see you, to hear you and see you speak at one event many moons ago, and uh, then I got to bump into you. You were so nice that night when my boys and I were at the Rangers game with Foles of Honor, and so, you know, they, you got a text like, hey, can you come meet? And then all of a sudden, there were like 19 of us coming down to your <laughs> Well, that was the night that I'd been I'd been working with the Vancouver Canucks. I wasn't going to mention that. Yeah, um, <laughs> I've been working with them a little bit, and then they came into town, and so they got me a nice jersey and all that good stuff. And, and uh, like even the NYPD were yelling at me, they're like, "Hey, why why aren't you uh, wearing Rangers stuff?" I'm like, "Hey, man, I'm I'm not in the payroll with the Rangers yet. You you 
<laughs> Got a checkup. In hockey, he's still a free agent. Yeah, so. I'm a free agent. Still a free agent. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't going to bring that up, but you did. So, you know, rock <laughs> on. We, uh, it was still well worth it, and we have the pictures. And uh, my kids, who are hard to impress sometimes, were like, "Oh my God, we just met Rob freaking like even they who knew you were." So. I'm sure that's not exactly everything you've aspired to be, like the only reason you've aspired to be, but that's another thing in my world, which was cool. Thank you. So, Rob, let's say hello to your brother sitting there. This is my brother, Tom Tom O'Neill. He's in town. We're doing some radio stuff. Tom's been in radio for about a little over two decades. So we were doing a couple of things here. We're collaborating on a few projects, and uh, he's he's here. We're um, walking around, got some pizza, got some some. You ever had Schmackery's cookies? Oh, my Schmackery's goodness. Schmackery's cookies? No. Yeah, it's on 44th. As good as it sounds. It's on 44th and 9th. Um, unreal. Uh, Schmackery's cookies. Schmackery's. Like S-C-H-M-A-C-K-E-R-Y something. Okay. Is, is, yeah. Okay. So we walked around. We got pizza. We got Schmackery's. And then that's about it. And then we're going to we're gonna roll out. We're going to just do a uh, later in the week. But we did that. It's fun. So this is Tom O'Neill. I, I actually started introducing you and started getting into cookies. I like cookies. <laughs> Everybody likes what kind of cookies? Uh, my favorite kind of cookie is actually a brownie. Which is- so they made a German chocolate brownie just for him. I get to, there's a thing called funfetti, and then there's a cookies and cream, which is like it's it's like what? I'm getting I'm getting eyeballed. <laughs> my German it's chocolate like, brownie. What the hell kind of interview is this? It's a, it's our kind of interview. That's what it is. Okay, so. We'll circle back around. You, um, yeah. We will obviously touch on what you wind up talking about so often, but I really want to move beyond that as well because you are so much more than those experiences. You know, there's, there's just so much about it. You've lived a long, full life. You had a huge career, and you're doing incredible things now. I love all of it. So, um, I mean, you started. I got your book. And I wound up, I was so excited, I hit click twice and I got two of them. So we're going to um, go ahead and offer out a copy of this book. I'm going to pop it in the mail and send it to somebody. The first 10 people who leave a review on this podcast when we post it on American Snippets, I'll put your name in a hat and I'll send out one of these books. And then if we get all 10 reviews in like the first two days, I'll just mail everybody a book, all 10 people a book because um, cool. I love the book and yeah. it's great. We like the support and the reviews are also pretty freaking awesome. So... Moving on, Rob, you guys grew up in Butte, Montana. Yes. Yeah. So I made it out to Montana for the first time in my in my life just a couple months ago. We didn't make it out to Butte, but man, I've always wanted to go to Montana and it's so beautiful. At least the part we were in. And I know you talk about it like you couldn't wait to get out, but everybody can't wait to get out of the small town that they grew up in. And it seems like you also enjoy going home now, like to visit, to hang out. You got your bar, you got your people. No? Well, it's funny because um, my wife, Jessica, was from New England. I, I, we're from Butte, Montana, which is basically the only not really beautiful city in Montana. <laughs> uh, I sh- I'll and take so, your picture. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> so we were you – know, so we were um, – I, I finally took it to uh, Big Sky, which is yes. one of the most beautiful. And we're standing there in this, uh, this, this, this lodge that we had. She's staring out at the sunset over this – Mountains covered in snow. We're going to go skiing at Big Sky. She's, without realizing it, she said, uh, oh, my God, Montana's so beautiful. This is nothing like Butte. <laughs> yeah. No, but no, Butte's incredible. All the, all the parks, uh, uh, Glacier Park, uh, uh, Yellowstone Park, 
uh, Big Sky Discovery, Bridger Bowl, the the hunting, the fishing, it's intense. It's a great place. Love it. Nice. So, Tom, tell us a story about your beloved brother from childhood that he probably doesn't want you to tell us. He had cheated to win a Super Tecmo Bowl. Oh, come on. I won every single game. That was that interception. That was not a flag. That was a flag. That was a video game. A story. Let's see. Um, well, a lot of people don't know that. Well, they know that he was a college basketball player. Um, this isn't really embarrassing. He, uh, as a junior in high school, he went to John Stockton's basketball camp. That's true. And, um, you know, going against kids from Seattle, Spokane, all the bigger cities around there. He came home and won the MVP of the, nice. whole, the whole camp and won the one-on-one competition. That's true. So we were all sure, proud of yeah. Let me, let me, is there, is there, is there a link I can tweet out to this? I can put it out to my followers and let us know we're talking some, some great yeah, talk. Yeah, that would be, that would, we were having a great talk. Um, Dave, can you text him the link? I have an idea. Can you text him the link to this page? To this page so he can tweet out to his followers that we're doing this interview. I, a lot yes. of people call him followers. I call them minions. Minions. Yeah, go yeah. I'm, I'm sure he's they gonna, enjoy Oh, I totally kidding. Yeah, give me, give me that. Let's read it out. Yeah, you get people. What? Send it to Rob. I'm going to give you the cell phone here. Text it to Rob. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So here on American Snippers, you guys are getting used to how we were. Does anybody have any questions for Rob while we go? We, we will get serious and get into this in a minute, but sometimes. Oh, yeah. There's no reason to get serious. More fun not to get serious. So um, I'm just going to hit get this number back up. So that here, that's this number. Text them the, uh, the, the thing. All right, awesome. So Butte, Montana, and you guys, you had like kind of a badass work ethic. Did you guys all have to do that? I was reading that stuff. I grew up, right? My dad, he was pretty tough. Like we worked a lot and I worked on horse farms and I like I thought we worked a lot, but I was reading the stuff that you guys did. I was like, damn, like these guys are no joke, man. But how did how does that all come about? Like, and does everybody work like that, or are you just some kind of like super freaky work ethic? Just some. It's just me, Barb. It's We're very lucky. You know, I, I'm uh, Rob and my father were both basketball players. I was more of a, a distance runner, but it, it didn't matter what sport we were in or what, what uh, our interests were. Yeah, well, yeah, Tom was an all-state cross-country runner. It's funny. Uh, so when he was like 17, faster than hell. Um, just thin and whatever, and I ran into him after I got out of the Navy. I'm like, Tom, you're still running? He goes, depends on who's chasing me. <laughs> Always a good answer. <laughs> whatever you're running uh, back to, whatever you're running from. We always had uh, our, our dad was always really supportive. Very he, he he wouldn't it was he wasn't a taskmaster. He 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 would make us want to achieve. And he he would train with us, he'd he'd race with us or he'd uh, play basketball with Rob. We we always it, it was always very supportive, never anything we had to do or Ever you know, a directive like that at all? Awesome. So um, I'm not ignoring you, but I'm just getting. I'm getting this. So I, I mean, can, you're uh, kind of ignoring me, but that's okay. It's for a good. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not over here. I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. Man, what Batman game is that? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I sort of feel like I'm sitting here with my kids right now. I'm right at home. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm just figuring it out. <laughs> yeah, just figuring out. He's just figuring out everybody. So while we're at it, um, Dave, does anybody have any questions that they've popped up for Rob? Or apparently his brother Tom will spill all too. So let's get him. Have, have a drink. Let's make it real. Oh, let's do this. Yeah, let's do it. 
Hang no on, questions yet. All right, this is your chance, people. Whoever's Ad watching. Ad 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 Makuya. Yep. Hang on, Hang on a sec. All right. He's popping it up. And we're going to, uh, you know, we'll repost this as a as a podcast too later on. And yours truly whoa, is going to write another feature tweet article it. on you. Tweet, tweet it. it. Awesome. A tweet is always a dangerous word for me to say. I always mispronounce it. It comes out a different word. And it doesn't yeah, it's so funny when you're saying that because I was like, I was thinking the past tense of tweeted and it almost came out like, of something different. Like, what's the past tense? Exactly. The past <laughs> tense should not be tweeted. It should be the other word. I, I <laughs> See? <laughs> I'm just saying. This is, these are the problems <laughs> I have in life. <laughs> okay. So... I also read, you know, through this book, there was that friend that I'll put friend in quote, because who the hell says that to you, said that you have a thousand percent chance that you will not make it to the Navy SEALs or through the Navy SEALs. Oh, I think I said that about myself, but everyone else thought it was uh, less than that. Everyone because it's too, uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where you, you sort of see it in movies and you see it on TV and it's, it's break glass in case of war. It's never a normal person that makes it through. But what you find out the further you get along is, it is the normal people that make it through. It's a people with humility and a, and a positive attitude. Yeah. And uh, it's not getting from one year to 10 years. It's getting from breakfast to lunch. And can I make it to dinner? And I, boy, I can't wait to get back in the same bed that I fell asleep in today. And tomorrow I do the whole thing over again. It's one day at a time, one meal at a time. Yeah. So, I mean, how do you even exist in like a constant state of readiness like I mean, your day goes from such extremes and i think one of the best examples of that that i saw in there was like that morning you're at the easter party at preschool at like yeah. whatever nine o'clock in the morning and then in the afternoon you're off to go like kill some pirates and like rescue well we were actually we were actually <laughs> off crazy extreme. Four hours after we got the message, and I was in my dad's classroom on my birthday, which is Good Friday, April 10th. Oh, and um, we had been we had been selling to the army that if you call us, we can we will be from the time you call us to what we call wheels up in four hours. And we've been selling it for years, but we've never done it. And we were actually uh, wheels up in three hours and fifty nine minutes. Jeez, that's so like we kind of had Domino's Pizza. Again. We had it done in a minute. And um, it wasn't so much, you know, what are we going to do when we get there? Is can we meet this first time? And I need to be work, to, to be to work in a certain amount of time. We need to have everyone. We're talking about two airplanes full of people, parachutes, boats, bullets, bombs, whatever we carry to war. And we need to take off. And so our, our first goal is a certain amount of time. Our second goal is four hours. And then once we take off, now we worry about how do we rescue this hostage because no one's ever done this before, ever. So we're going to do it. What We have 16 hours before we're in the Indian Ocean. So somebody think of something quick. Um, because the, the we've been training on everything from um, nuclear-powered ships to cruise liners to yachts to everything, but no one ever thought of a fully engulfed um, rest or uh, a life raft being towed by a Navy cruiser. So how do we get this? There's a, a door to get in this big. How do we get in there? There's three pirates, all have guns, are aimed at one guy. How can we do it? So we just we started thinking of the best plans, and we came up with the best plans over the next sixteen hours. And then we put snipers down to watch them. Then we're gonna we're going to do the best plan, and the snipers took the shots because something dangerous happened. That wasn't even one of the plans. So it's yeah. it's it's just uh, who's ready? Who's ready? And um, when we think, think about the guys who took the shots, they they were in their beds in Virginia Beach. You know, the, not expecting to do this on a it was a long weekend. Um, why were their guns sighted in for the most 
difficult shots they'd ever take just because they were ready. They were prepared. And that's, that's kind of the type of people they were. And it's, it's, everyone tried to do that because you never knew it was going to happen. So try to be prepared for anything. You don't expect anything. Yeah. So is that a hard state of being to kind of, do you ever step out of that state well, of being? Well, I do now, but it's not at the time because everyone around you is doing the same thing. So it's normal. Exceptionalism is normal. And it was like, I remember being, there were times in the team room where one of my teammates made worldwide headlines and I'd see him the next day and say, dude, that was awesome what you did. Congratulations. He'd say, yeah, thanks. You want to go to the gym? I'm like, yeah, let's do it. That's it. After the gym, you want to go to the ready room and have a couple of beers? Yeah, let's do that too. And just because everyone was continually doing that and nobody, nobody realizes what they're doing in the bubble until they leave the bubble. And looking back, I was telling my brother earlier today, it's like, he was asking me the effects of the war and I'm like, it's so I'm so separated from it now. It's not. It's it's like there, there's no way any of that happened. I just know the story. Yeah. There, there's no like way. Someone else, but, but, like someone else lived it. Yeah, but, but men and women are doing men and women are doing it right now, and it yeah. doesn't seem exceptional to them until they get out. And right. it's exceptional. And then they're very, very, and they're like I said, they're doing it right now. Yeah. Yep. It's one of those. I mean, that's, 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 nothing this cool, but <laughs> kind of. Of course not. Of course. Not. <laughs> And never be as cool. Um, all right. So your book then, and we're just going to kind of bounce around because I got so many yeah, different things that, and we'll see how, how it goes through. And if something else pops up that's on your mind that you definitely want to mention, just toss it in there. Um, and you too, John, whatever pops up. All right. This is fun. Okay. So your, your book, first off, um, you took some heat for sharing your story. And this is something, uh, I can relate to on a different level. Right. But what is it like, like that's your, your life, your story, you lived it, and people are giving you crap for telling your story and your experiences, or they're talking smack about you. Um, not everybody, but you know enough where their voices as yeah, there's a, well. At first, it's troublesome because we were in a, a very uh, quiet community that no one really knew anything. Well, I mean, but when you think back to it, let me let me bounce around a little too. They're like, you know, Navy SEALs don't write books. I'm like, I know, I read that in like 80 Navy SEAL books. <laughs> but I mean, the first you know, from your from your peers with whom you've been to war, you 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 want their respect and you wonder why they're doing it. But then it gets to a point where it's like, um, especially with Navy SEALs, it's like you know, if I took ten of you guys at random yeah. and I got ten dump trucks of money and I dump cash full of you know dump trucks full of cash in each one of your driveways, six of you would complain your driveways blocked. Yeah. <laughs> don't yeah. about the cash. You just can't. Yeah. So it's it's one of those. You know, ever have you ever been to a military history section of a Barnes and Nobles? Uh, actually, surprisingly, I have. Yeah, there's a lot of soldiers and sailors and airmen and Marines who've written books. Yes. And I think honestly, now like if if if, if tactics aren't being told and people aren't put in danger, there's nothing wrong with telling history. Right. I, I'm very happy that I know what happened on Iwo Jima. I love the stories of Operation Overlord when they invaded yeah. Northern France. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, the, the stories of Vietnam, people need to know stuff. There's nothing wrong with knowing your history, knowing your heritage, knowing as, as long as no one gets harmed. And like, I wrote a book and if, if, if someone who read my book, the operator doesn't know that Navy SEALs get on helicopters and sometimes go into houses and kill bad guys, you're just misinformed, man. Turn, turn the Kardashians back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And speaking of, so this book is actually, so I've been a book nerd my life because I had no friends. That's why I started reading. But and now then I kept reading because I like reading. And now I write books as well. And I write articles. So coming from both sides, coming as from like a writer, author and someone who 
just likes to read. Your book's really well written. And uh, thank you. I, maybe I should have said it's a surprise when I read it. But right. <laughs> so I don't know if that's like a rude question. Or not. But like, I mean, did you have even beta readers reading it or did you like? No, we, I had a really good team with, with um, I'd always taken journals. My, my, my father, our father, who always, our father who wrote in Word and Beauty. He, um, he'd always been saying, my, my father's always been convinced that everything that ever happened as a Navy SEAL, I did it. Even from the time I was in training, there was a Life Magazine article that was written like a year before I got there. And he's looking at the one guy tied up with his back turned. That's you. I can recognize your calf muscles. That's got to be you. He's always convinced that, I, whatever. And, and he um, he said, always keep a journal. Always keep a diary because one day someone's going to want to read your book. And I'm like, Dad, and this is 1990. Six. I'm like, Dad, why would anyone want to read my book? Cold War's over. There's not going to be another war, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so I did always keep journals, and my dad always knew that I was the one that invaded Iraq alone and all that stuff. <laughs> um, but I kept the journal, and I finally got to a point where I, I you know, this is a good story. I, I do have some memories of all this stuff. And um, then I wrote it down, and then, and then I, I, I got some help with my publisher. And, and, you know, you write down your things, and then the editors take it over, and yeah. You know, they, they, they dot your yeah. T's and cross your I's and all that stuff. And But, but you know, we got a good story. And, and uh, I had a great team, but, they, you know, we were able to get it done and knock it out. And you can tell that a lot of it's written by me because there's some sailor language. And I just go off on tangents like, like my bar shipmates. Yeah. <laughs> I have this thing with political correctness. You know, the, my favorite word in the Navy was shit. It was what? Uh, my, I have a thing with political correctness. Okay. And my favorite word in the Navy was shipmates. Okay. Because like ship, shipmate was a term of endearment. Like, hey, shipmate, you know, tighten up the whatever. Or, hey, shipmate. And they always say that word. So, uh, but in, in, in boot camp, they call you shipmate. They're like yelling at you. And I loved it. And even as a Navy SEAL senior chief, I would call sailor shipmate because I, I love it. But then the Navy took it out because of political correctness, because it's, it's degrading. So they started calling them sea warrior, which I think is ridiculous. <laughs> I did sea not warrior, know that. But, but I, I, I mentioned the book and I'm going to do this. I don't know if it's a Butte, Montana or. Nashville or something. I'm going to open a bar called Shipmates, and the rule is all my employees, including bouncers, need to ev finish every sentence with the word shipmate to the employee oh, to the uh, desk. So even when they kick someone out, it's like get the fuck out of Shipmates. 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a lofty goal, and I believe. And I, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I bet that that place will be packed every night. I hope so. Everyone he likes, he likes to dream big. Yeah. Yeah. But we all got to have dreams and plans and that's a good one to have as good as any, right? You don't want to. So, yeah. and in terms of all that stuff too, I mean, not only telling your story, it's important and you happen to be a central figure in several important stories and historic events. And there's really no way around, around that, right? Like how you, whether you fell well, into you, know, you couldn't swim and you wound well, I mean, up doing all this. You know, you know um, other service, services mess with other services. There's always jokes about the Air Force, jokes yeah. about the Navy. Few of us joke about the Marine Corps because we don't want to have our asses handed to us. <laughs> but we all, we, you know, we, we just all joke with each other. But some of my Army buddies told me a funny story about, I'm a big believer that it's positive attitude, right place, right time, and a little <laughs> bit of luck. You get there. But I happen to be on some of these big missions, and I had a, a Green Beret buddy of mine say, you know, you're kind of like the Forrest Gump of uh, the Navy, only you're not as good looking and you can't run very well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if, I'm not sure if, that was a compliment. 
Thank you. Is that a compliment? That is a compliment. I think it's a compliment. Yeah. But yeah, so you know, I mean, that's the that's the bottom line is that it it was going to be somebody, and in many of these instances, it was you or you were a key player, and it's an important story. And like you said, these stories need to be preserved and they need to be told and they need to be. I think it is, yeah. And it was it wasn't me. It was it was a huge team of people working over yeah. the course of decades to find him. I happened to be the the guy that was smart enough to carry a gun and a sledgehammer and turn a corner because of the guy in front of me went somewhere else. You know, yeah. if you back up to that, it was the other teammates that got us to that position on the third floor, the pilots yeah. that delivered us there, the air crew guys that opened the doors that we couldn't have figured out, the, right. the group of women and all the analysts, at CIA, sorry, the uh, other government agencies, the three other agencies <laughs> that found us. Uh, so much uh, Admiral McRaven, who was in charge of a certain team that coordinated for us to be the people that went there and, and the rotations and why it was our team that was picked and, it's yeah i mean it all you know it's a butterfly effect it all comes out of one thing but the bottom line is i had a brave guy go straight and i turned right yeah and and, then I, I saw and that's ridiculous i happen i'm lucky to know a lot of awesome people in my world one of them is a medal of honor recipient uh john baca from vietnam and he threw himself he threw his helmet on a grenade and then threw himself on top of the helmet um and he saved people's lives and he was severely injured from it but uh, that level of just selflessness and just courage is ridiculous. I don't know how many people would be able to do that. And in your book and in all your interviews I've seen, you're always very clear and very sure to point out that there were so many other people involved and, and all that. So well, every I mean, time I, there was. Every time, uh, um, yeah. Even the people that jump on the grenades. Um, yeah. They're not doing it for the greater good or for the Republican Party, the Democrat Party. They're doing it for the people next right. to them. Yeah. That's it. It comes down to that. It's, it's very mac, mac, micro that goes to the macro. And it's yeah. the, the, the Marines that fought for Fallujah, they're, they're not fighting for Fallujah so that we can eventually lead the war. They're fighting for the Marine next to them going house to house. Right. And that's what it comes down to. We were talking earlier about how they'd go to the ready room for a beer. I got the chance right when he got stationed at Virginia Beach. Oh my God! To, to go out, we went to, uh, to the ready room, and you know, we, this was before uh, I think I, I don't remember the exact date, but it, it was one of it was very early in his Navy career, and uh, a good friend of ours, you know, it was the first time I met him, and he pulled me aside. He said, "Now you're you're uh, you're Rob's older brother," and I, I said, "Yeah." He says, I, "I can imagine that you're kind of worried about the things that are going to possibly happen." So I said, I'm, "I'm, yeah. I mean, he's 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 he made you know he's he's on SEAL ten year on Team Two at that two, time." Two. And he said, I want you to come over here. I want you to look around this room. I looked around. And it, was just, it was much very, you know, great guys. He says, uh, you have one brother. He now has 30 brothers. And he just, he said, we're going to take care of him. We're not going wow. to let bad things happen to him. And we've got his back. And he's got ours. And that really, that's, that stayed with me. And, uh, it yeah. was really a good thing at the time. They seemed very noble at the time. It turns out they were just shit-faced. Hammered. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that happens to everybody, right? Um, but you know, that, and that is something, and I know that that's also something that's difficult when people leave the military to, to lose that. And I thought that was super interesting that you noted in your book that out of all the stuff you've done, that one of the you know most difficult and, you know, nerve wracking things you did was decide to leave the Navy when you left the Navy. That was not an easy decision for you at the time. Well, it was it was a point where I was only going to be in the Navy when I joined for four to six years, yeah, and not yeah. make it through SEAL training. But I made it through SEAL training. Then, uh, when it was time to get out, I met the guys and like, well, I can't leave now. I re-enlisted. Then nine eleven happened. 
okay, four, six more years. Then I heard about COK obsession. Got to stay, stay, stay. And I saw, you know, I got, I was on the Lone Survivor Rescue. I was on the Cat Phillips Rescue on the Bin Laden Raid. Yeah. I was on the base when Bo Bergdahl walked off. All this stuff. And that's when it turned into, okay, I'm going to stay now for 30 years, and I'm going to, I'm going to um, retire in Coronado as an instructor, 30 years in the Navy, and I'll just live there forever. And then the Bin Laden raid went down with all the other stuff, and then Extortion 17 was shot down on August 6, 2011. We lost 31 Americans. And then it's like, okay, now it's time to get out. So the, the, nothing ever worked. Nothing ever works out the way it's supposed to. The, the when you're planning for everything, you know, life is what happens around you as yeah. you're planning for this. It's just you, you never, you of all people know. So um, it's just one meal at a time. It doesn't matter how we got here. We're here. Let's deal yeah. with it. Yeah. I love that. Bing. What the, somebody's like chicken. That sounds fun. I've been yelling for the turn it off. I don't know why he's listening. Dinner's done. Okay. So. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a professional <laughs> DJ, so he's deaf in both eyes. And I just found out I got, I got hair for uh, for radio as well. So. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. So another thing you have, and in between all this, you know, there's also more important stuff. Another message that I I love that you you hammer home in your book in different ways, and I think really is something that we like to kind of bring out to our audience too. You keep saying complacency kills, and and there's mm-hmm. such an overlap, you know, not just in the military, but I think that's so applicable to all of life. But can you talk a little bit about that and what you mean when you say that? The uh, One of the biggest problems I've seen in the private sector is regardless of how it's going, people have a tendency to say, do it because I said so. And this is the way we've always done it. And that's, that's a recipe for failure because yeah. complacency is not caused by failure. Learning is a result of failure. Complacency is caused by success. And if you have too much success, you're going to get complacent because, well, you know, it's always worked before. We're winning now. We've always done it this way. We'll be fine when the opponent is trying to be better than you. Um, um, the example of, of, of failure as a learning uh, learning tool is what did Michael Jordan say? In my career, I've missed more than 3,000 shots. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I was asked to take the game-winning shot, and I missed. I've failed over and over and over again, and that's why I succeed. Because yeah. you learn from failure, you 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 learn from failure, you get defeated because of success. Um, very rarely do uh, um, some of the successful has failed three hundred times and succeeded once. Someone really good, a CEO. There's never been. Uh, I mean, uh, granted, there are the, uh, the the you know in college the trust fund babies that were born on third thinking they hit a triple. Not the case. Yeah. The, the people the people that get to a certain level, you need too much. Yes. <laughs> He's got every mobile device on the planet over here thinking. Because apparently, I tweeted that out. Grandma saw it. Now she's Facebooking <laughs> the shit out of my brother. <laughs> Are you serious? Well, she doesn't like my hair either. Yeah, she she hates your hair too. <laughs> um, yeah, awesome. I mean, it, it, hi, Grandma. It's, I, it's one of those things that I call resting on your laurels. Resting on your laurels. Now that's something my grandpa said. Well, yeah, and it's one resting of, well, on your laurels. Take, take for example, right now, uh, uh, Tom Brady, who's won five Super Bowls. Could easily say that's enough, but guess what? He's going for a six right now. Yeah, and, and everybody freaking hates him. One of the best games he ever played was was a few days ago. You know when he beat the crap out of people, and he's going to continue to do it. I hope he wins a six. That's awesome. I don't because know he's if, not complacent. I don't know anything about football, but that one Super Bowl, uh, two Super Bowls, I remember one. I literally 
went into labor at kickoff, like water went poop everywhere. And that was it. That was the end of the Super Bowl for us. So I remember that one. And the other one, good excuse. <laughs> and the other one I remember was when the Patriots made that crazy comeback in the second half. Yeah, and, they, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and everybody, I remember everybody sitting around saying, oh my God, it's over. I can't believe Patriots going to lose. They could never you know, get, they can never come back from this. Look at the gap. And I'm like, they need exactly as much points as the other team scored in the first half of the game. So like that team scored it in the first half. Why can't Patriots do the same exact thing in the second half? It was just crazy to me. And they made that crazy. Which has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but what? They they lost in a seven. No, I know Tom's a Bears fan. God bless him. And uh, no, I, you were talking about the Chargers. I remember in 07, we watched the Bears Super Bowl. Why did they, you make the sign of the I, I brought it because we're talking about something similar. He did, the Bears he did that. Yeah, I it. The Bears started doing bad. That's when Tom kicked me in the water. <laughs> but then the Redskins beat the Bears the next two years. <laughs> Irish Catholic family. I'm going to take your word for that. I'm a Catholic family too. Eight years of Catholic school. Yeah, I feel like yeah, yeah. Um, I should get some well, sort of badge for that, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, it's almost enough to where you lose the faith. I don't know. Yeah, almost lose <laughs> the faith. It's like, yeah, I was oh a Catholic until I age of reason. Yes, I could go on forever <laughs> about that. But and my mom's watching. At Sorry, some mom. point, my mom's going to watch too. I know, so I don't want to go into it. But uh, yes. No, let's say <laughs> a different, a different <laughs> the, the phone starts digging again. <laughs> hey, hey, Tom, it's Satan. <laughs> it's Satan. We'll take you out for a uh, pizza and cookies. Racquetball. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. well, yes, I like that. <laughs> So there are a lot of uh, missions that you were on that are very well known and that you saw through from beginning to end personally. What is it like? I don't know if I knew this about you, that you were there trying to help rescue Marcus Luttrell. And then, I mean, I was reading what you went through, like donkeys jumping off a cliff crap because it was so hot. (laughs) Dropping down. I'm like, oh, my God. And then you go through all that and you're told. All right, somebody else got him. He's good. Go home, guys. Well, that was okay because we were going after him for about two and a half or three days, and, and we yeah. actually brought an entire corporation full of every every force of the armed services. And it didn't matter at that point who who gets him. We didn't – just someone yeah. get him. We got to find him. It, the the Korangal Valley, Shariq Valley is in Kona Province, eastern Afghanistan. It's pretty much the most dangerous place in the world. And if this guy's living there somehow and he's still alive, we owe it to him and his parents to go get him. We got to find him. Yeah. And um, it, it was a relief. It was a relief to us when the, I believe it was a team of rangers that flew in and finally got him. Cause we were all over the entire mountain and, and none of the bad guys were going anywhere. But when he was finally, um, finally grabbed, it was a, it was a relief because, okay, he, they got him. We can stop him now. But then it's like, Oh crap. We're on top of this mountain. Now we got to get out. Yeah. So what happened then? Like that was, I was like, what, what happened? What'd they do? How'd they go back? The more donkeys died? Walk, like, what? Back, down, walk back down to where you think that you park the donkeys and ride them out. I mean, and we've always said that. Being from Montana, it was a mule, but whatever. It was a mule. Yeah. So, and there's no, I mean, there's just relief that, that he was rescued and it's not like, you don't feel yeah, like you were there for no reason. Like, no, no. It's, it's again, one of those things where, um, as long as you don't care who gets the credit and want the mission to succeed, you're going to be a good yeah. team. Yeah. And that's all it was. I mean, someone else got him, but we got him and he's safe and his family's good. And then, and we, you know, we were able to recover the bodies, uh, the, 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 the brave guys that, that died. Wow. And, um, it, I mean, it, it was a, a failure of a mission followed by a success. And we finally, and, and hopefully we learned from it. You know, we yeah. all learned from 
the standard operating procedures for what we do next time something like this comes up. It's, it wasn't a great day. It was a horrible. No, horrible yeah. We, you know, we got Marcus out. We got we got the the, the remains out and. and uh, so that was you guys. That was you guys that went and got the rest of his team. Yeah, it wasn't me. It wasn't me, but it was part of part of part, of, part, part of, of my squad, and part of my team, and yeah, it was a. Yeah, it's a big place. It's a big, steep, scary place. Yeah, I bet. And you know, joking aside, you guys have really been through it, and h how you have to sort of kind of process all those experiences that you've been through, and still get up and do it again the next day when it's continuing to happen all around you and then come back to a world right like so even my husband was killed over there right but that doesn't mean i understand what you all went through it doesn't like i know what i went through but i don't know what you all went. you know i can't even imagine what it's like to have to be in that environment all the time and doing what you what you got to do well i mean it's it, a lot of it is 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 uh, uh teammates and friends family and then the compartmentalization of of i have to be yeah. like this in a certain spot and i'm going to be like this in a certain spot and and it it, it, it can't be it's it, it's a lot of people say stuff like all in all the time which is great but i don't think it is all the time i mean like sometimes you, you need to take a wrap off sometimes real the realization that i don't need to necessarily be up in the gym this early in the morning i, I can sleep in if i want yeah. Um, I could take yeah. a day off. I could chill out a little bit. And, and I always tell people if you want to be fast, slow down a little bit. Don't 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 think you need to solve everything at once. Uh, be quick enough to, to 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 realize what's important, and then take out the first thing, knock out the first thing, and then the second thing is only, again. I, I tell my my kids, you know, how how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. You get there. What if one of your kids came to you down the road and said, "Hey, Dad, I'm going to join the military." How would you feel about that? I would say, cool. I would say, cool. Start getting straight A's right now. Get accepted to one of the academies and learn how to fly something. Yeah, that's the way to go. That's it. I would support them anything they want to do, anything at all. I, if, they wanted, if one of them wanted to be a Navy SEAL, I'm like, fine. I fill the bathtub full of ice water, jump in there for 20 hours. We'll see how you feel. Like that. <laughs> so basically, you what say yes, and then you scare the shit out of them. <laughs> what are you, secrets? Well, yeah, that one's inappropriate. <laughs> yeah, but that one was too bad for even the internet. <laughs> yeah, we would have broken, broken the internet on that horrible show. <laughs> All right, fine. That's the way you want to be. I'll just start whispering over here too. Okay, so we have <laughs> we have a couple of little questions. I'm getting these notes. We're very high tech here. We write them down on our fancy notebook. Hey, that's the best way to do it. Um, so David Bennett would like to know who is Mark Owens. Um. I never worked with a guy named what? Mark Owen. Oh, hang on. What's he? All right. Well, he never worked with a guy named Mark Owen. That's the question I got. So David Bennett, he doesn't know. That's the name it says, Dave? Never. Mark Owens? That's the name it says, Dave Mark Owens? Okay. So he never heard of Mark Owens. He's a singer of Alabama, isn't he? <laughs> a singer in Alabama. Okay. So right like, mm, not, not in Alabama. Oh, of Alabama. Alabama. Of play me some mountain music. I love Sorry. that band. My grandma and grandpa used to play. <laughs> yes, we harmonize. Oh my God. Is, your wife, <laughs> is she left home alone with you two? Yeah, she's over there laughing at me. She's Did literally with her divorce attorney. <laughs> <laughs> she's not laughing. <laughs> no, she's laughing. He's not. She's over there counting something. He's taking notes a lot like yours. I don't know. <laughs> All right, well, look, I think I'm like an hour away from you. She could just come hang here and leave you two yahoos. <laughs> All right, so 
right now, uh, here's another question. Were you involved in Operation Just Cause? Just Cause wasn't Just Cause was 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 1989. I don't know. I, I know less about that than football. I think Just That's Cause the is Panama. I'm looking this up. All right. So, uh, they, so the answer would be no. No, but I heard Mark Owen was. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, it's, okay. that was Panama in 1989. I was in seventh grade. Okay. And he well, kicked we, ass. We heard and, you. My wife was born. My my wife was born in '89. All right. Well, we heard you were very precocious, so we thought that maybe there was a chance. All right. So you're um. <laughs> thank you. So you're involved in. Now, I mean, on top of speaking and, you know, and your book and all that, you, you work to support nonprofits that support veterans. Do you want to talk, take a minute? Yeah, I'm a founder of yourgratefulnation.org. I started that um, when I got out of the Navy right around 2013, 2014 for okay. special operators that need to transition to the private sector because they don't realize that once you leave the military, like a lot of that, like an old guy graduates or sorry, uh, retires at 45 yeah you got another 45 years of left of life and you need to to pay the mortgage and and a lot of the yeah. people men and women both don't realize that they have skills that that can transition to the private sector so your grateful nation helps them find that find out where they want to live what industry they want to be a part of and um how to get the conversation started we do a transition period a, a mentorship and then they get hired for like major management products in those industries so uh, I learned that the hard way because I was one of the guys with the chip on my shoulder. Well, I did this and that, so I'm going to get out. And when do I start? And how much are you paying me type stuff? But uh, it's not the case. So yourgratefulnation.org transitions a lot of veterans to the private sector. That's one of the major things I'm doing. All right. So say I'm a special op guy because I, I look yes. like I could be one, right? So Absolutely. I just got, you know, I'm out. A week ago, I'm out. And now I'm looking to start a new life, start a new career, and I find your organization. What are the first things I can do? actually get started is there like an application go, process go to go to yeah go to www your gratefulnation.org right and uh, there's there's a request there to get in touch with the um with the operations uh the, the people that run the operations there which we actually hired a um uh retired green break colonel rob carilla because i learned along the way that you know, I may be able to kick a door down, but there are people out there smarter than I that can run an organization. So Colonel Carrillo runs that, um, gets in the information. They, they do the interviews. They, uh, they they talk to them. And then, again, it's find out what your family, where you want to live, what you want to do, and how do we get the process started. And they do it. And we're, we're, I think we, we're transitioning quite a few people. We're, doing, we're growing now, too. It's, I, I, I learned, um, along with how much I need to pay in taxes for my fair share, how, also how expensive it is to run a nonprofit. Yes. But um, we're getting there. Yeah. We're doing a great job, and it's um, your great foundation is doing a really, really good thing. Awesome. So, how do you? I mean, can people donate to that directly, or do you have events oh, yeah. that raise money it's, for it? It's all there. It's all there on the website, yourgratefulnation.org. and everything from a donation to awareness. Tell your friends. Uh, just check it out, and it's it's the majority of our money. You know, obviously, you need to pay a staff, but the majority of the money goes towards the veterans transitioning. And the the, the best part of uh, the best part of my week is when I get an email from the vet, from the spouse that just says, um, now we're able to start our second career. It wasn't possible without this foundation. And I think we're one of the few out there doing that specific one. So it's, it's very rewarding. That is great. Cause I know, uh, I spent a couple of years also working professionally as a veteran specialist. And I, so I got to know 
directly from people coming out of the military that struggle and um, experiencing it on my other side, you know, as the surviving spouse, when you lose your spouse and you got kids to take care of, and then you got to restart your career or take yeah, a break then, off and restart it. And it's a problem, man. It's a problem. So uh, anything. It's a problem anybody, a lot of people don't realize too, because once yeah. you get out of the limelight, people kind of, I mean, not no fault of theirs, but they kind of just forget. Forget about you. And you think. One, one, I mean, one, one of my favorite sayings yeah. is the problem with never forget is people keep forgetting to never forget. People keep forgetting. To, okay. Gotcha. Yes. <laughs> That was deep. That was deep. That was like a, a deep. Yeah, I'm a professional. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's hard. And it's crazy to think. So people might think like, oh, he's Rob O'Neill. He's this famous seal. He gets out of the military. He's going to have no problem finding work. Everybody's going to want to hire him. Everybody's going to want to work with him. And that wasn't the case. No, necessarily. No, not at all. I mean, yeah. the first few jobs I had, I was, uh, I was, an advisor to a, a, a microsystem company out of out of uh, uh, Mississippi. Uh, I was I was working for a, a boutique lobbying firm on Capitol Hill, um, and and it's the same thing. You know, you got to got to kind of get out there, make connections, do some networking. I was actually part of LinkedIn, which I don't need more, just because. Uh, you got too cool for LinkedIn. No, that's what I'm saying. I, I dig it, but everyone else was, "Hey, I knew a guy that knew a guy. Can you just hook me up with this thing?" It's like, uh, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. But, um, um, yeah, but, but, but the, the, you know, there are things out there I didn't realize that veterans are qualified for what they can do. And, and yeah. um, as long as if, if there's a better bridge there for a lot of the vets, and especially, you know, the families of vets, then we're going to do it. And, you know, we've linked up with like a Folds of Honor for, for, for um, Children of the Fallen, where they give scholarships to the, yeah. to the kids, which is great. And we're all trying to work hand in glove to, to, to help the veterans, help the families. And I think it's very important. But I mean, even, even right now, you know, people are so concerned about the democratic retreat in, in, Puerto Rico, but no one's thinking about there are men and women still in Iraq right now in Helmand Province. Yeah. Um, we need to remember yeah. the veterans, the, 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 the people, as they call the war fighters. Yeah. And, and they're going to need jobs when they get out too. So. It's not ending. It's not ending soon or anytime soon, sadly. There's a, a lot of people come out and just kind of crash. Um, all right. Martin Hart Jr. wants me to ask you <laughs> Are you still in contact with the operator who peed on your frozen hands? <laughs> yes, actually, I am. I kind of wanted bathroom. to know that too. I was curious about the two. Yeah, that was yeah. He, he's in the guest. He's in the guest bathroom, toweling off. <laughs> oh my lord! All right. I, so I, yeah, you have it. Thank you for reading my book because he obviously did. <laughs> it's not every day that someone pees in your hand, or is it? Depends on the day. <laughs> it depends on the person. Depends on the person. Barbara Lloyd Parker says her dad was lost after the Navy. I don't know if she means after service, but I'm sorry to hear that. I know that it's a, it, it is like kidding aside. There is that like gap that you fall through when you're in the service and you come out and family members. I think she's been lost, I think she's been lost after like the Navy's over now. What? I think that's, I'm assuming. That's okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. A lot I, of veterans I, have that. Yes, probably. See, have those I, issues with it. I, my mind goes right away. Somebody says loss. I'm like, oh, they died. Like this. Well, I mean, I know, I know a lot of sailors. <laughs> I know a lot of sailors that, that were got, lost in the Navy. Yes. We got back on the ship, left Thailand, and everyone was fine. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Um, please tell Rob Tom is going to crush him and Miss Pac-Man. Lost it. Yeah. We have had an ongoing Miss Pac-Man bet for the better part of, since like, 82. About 82, yeah. About 82, yeah. 
And he, he always beats me, but we're, we're getting to it. My, my wife actually bought me for Christmas this year the no kidding arcade stand up version of Ms. Backman so I could practice. See, I had the advantage while he was out in, in all, all the different continents chasing ISIS and Al Qaeda. I was just busy chasing Inky, Blinky, Pinky, and Clyde. Who's the real hero? Who's the real hero? Who's the real hero? Okay, I'm afraid to do this and bring it down for a little bit, but I do have to um, actually ask you about the Bin Laden. Yeah. So, um, and I know, I mean, I've heard you tell this story a lot of times. First, is it hard? I mean, what does it do to have to keep telling this story over and over? Do you get like story fatigue of telling it, or does it? Do you feel no, like? No, I, I, it, um, no I, I think the story needs to be told. If people want to hear about it, they should hear about it. It's, it's American history, and it's not my story. I just well, I know what happened. Right. So it's your story and it's everyone else's story who was there. And it's America's story too. Um, but you're the one that keeps being the, uh, uh, people from over eighty countries were killed in both towers. Yeah. So it's it's the world's um and it wasn't a it wasn't a war on Lower Manhattan. It wasn't a war in Shanksville, Pennsylvania or, or right. the Pentagon. This was a war against Western this is the this is the war against modern society. And the um if people want to hear the story, they should hear the story. And that's that. I mean, again, it wasn't me. If, if it, believe me, if, if if it was me jumping through the skylight, killing Bin Laden alone, my book would be like that long. <laughs> right, probably. And um, well, I won't say it, but yeah. So you're there. I mean, all that secrecy. You didn't even know until a couple weeks. Yeah, about three weeks of, of where you're going, and there was already it created some kind of dissent, even among all you guys who are so tight about the people who weren't going with you and then those of you. Yeah. That, well, that was awkward because at first they pulled a, a small group of us into a room Yeah. and we were a small group inside of us. We were a small group inside of a small group. And when we would come out of these long meetings, the guys that weren't involved would say, Hey, what are you guys doing? What's going on? And not only could we not tell them, but we didn't even know to tell them. So they right. assumed we're hiding something from them. And it just, it, it did get awkward. It was, it was a big split, but the reason for the secrecy was was simply because if one person tells anyone that leaks to someone, mm -hmm. this is the only chance we have. And if anything gets over there, well, like the first day when when they actually told us what we were doing, they're like, "Well, we have these options, this, this. We can do a unilateral or sorry, a multilateral operation with the Pakistani military." I'm like, "Yeah, super. Tell the Pakistanis that we found Bin Laden. I'm I'm sure he'll be there." Yeah, yeah. But sure we, I mean, it was it was the it was the point where when we were flying our legs to get over there, stopping in Germany, stopping in Bagram Airfield down in Jalalabad, there were senior ranking officers trying to get on our plane just to find out. We had to kick them off. Wow. No, no one's allowed to know what we're doing. It was, yeah. it was, it was, it was tight lift for a reason. And, and uh, it, it, it paid off. But I mean, what do they say? Loose lips sink ships. And yeah. someone's going to tell someone to tell someone. And especially even back then, social media wasn't that big, but someone leaks this out. Bin Laden finds out he's out of there. Yeah, totally gone. It's astounding. I mean, it's amazing to me to think of everything that had to happen for him not to know that you guys were on your way to come get him. I mean, well, especially considering the uh, Pakistani intelligence forces were hiding him. So, and they pretty much know everything that we do. That is wild. So he, that is like yeah. just wild. And you went on that trip. I don't, I, 
it's hard for me to talk about the parts where you're like kissing your kids goodbye and saying goodbye and all that. So unless you want to see like a, a widow cry here, we're we're gonna skip over that part. Well, no, we can, but, we can, we can. But you're um, you know, you're doing that, and that's your mindset, and that's crazy. Just just a whole other thing. I don't think people who haven't experienced that can ever fully. But that, I mean, that, that's the reason they, they picked the most experienced senior guys to go on the mission because we've been we've been through it so many times. It wasn't gonna be a big shock to us and. We were almost numb to the, the the what the possibilities are, and we accepted it with a lot more ease than someone that was new to the. So yeah, they, but they even, pick, just, even just saying that like that face. All right, well, whatever. I'm not gonna like dive into that. I just think it's incredible that you all are able to function, and people like you said are there right now with that same mindset and that willingness. And I think it's well, just still there right now, yeah. Yeah, that we just need to keep in mind every day. I'm like that's part of why we started this too. I'm like so many people have given so much. So that we can all sit here in this country and you know talk talk to each other. Not even just sit here and talk talk the history, talk recent history, but also laugh once in a while because yes. you're gonna need to keep some things light because what's one of my favorite sayings, uh, don't be afraid to laugh every day because none of us are getting out of this alive. Yeah. Yeah. And oh my god, you think SEALs have sick jokes. Hang out with a bunch of military widows and <laughs> 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 I dare you. It's a whole other experience. <laughs> but okay, so there you are. And you all are, have seemed to have accepted the fact that there's more odds than anything else that none of you are coming out of this alive. And I mean, you just go anyway, because you know, all the other people that you're going to be impacting and making a difference in their lives and preserving our way of life by doing that. Uh, so what is that? So you're going in and you have all that craziness, that helicopter goes down, you don't even know it, and you're in the house. How is your, at that point, is the adrenaline just going so much or you're so yeah, locked down? Yeah. There, 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 was, there, wasn't, there wasn't adrenaline at all because we'd already accepted it. We'd, we've done this hundreds of times before. Yeah. I, I just remember being in the, in the back of the line watching guys work knowing imminent death was there but thinking how they didn't care and it was just they were just cool and i remember thinking these guys are so cool and basically that's later reflecting on that is like i was just a guy watching cool guys do cool stuff and occasionally i would turn a corner and do something cool and that's all it was these guys were just incredible to watch incredible the the, the, the hardest working the most mechanical the most methodical most technical and they just knew how to do it. They didn't. Uh, they didn't let the, the realization that things that they worry about don't matter. So why worry about it? Were these guys? Um, I don't know if I sorted this out in this book. These guys, you were all pulled from different like, teams or different areas. We, like, no, we, we, were, we were part of the same bigger team, but, okay. but we would break everything down. We had the rule of threes. Okay. So each, you know, each group had a group of three that we called you no know, troop, and then each troop was broken into three teams and. We'd keep it simple because we had an acronym KISS, keep it simple, stupid, because I'm stupid. I can't remember, so I'll keep it simple. So we, from one, one of the larger groups, they pulled the most experienced guys out. Um, and it happened to be the right rotation they sent those guys on. on all right. So, but I mean, did you know, did you all know anyway, each other? That, every one of them. I've been, working, I've been working with every one of them for years. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. I was wondering that, like how you could just step in and work so well together if you hadn't known and worked with each other for years. You have to... I mean, literally trust each other with your lives in that situation. So, all right, talk us through then. You're walking into that house. 
and shit gets real. Well, yeah. And, and again, just, the guys are in front of me. They're just doing their thing. And yeah. um, I found out the helicopter crashed outside. I didn't realize it. Uh, we went to the stairs. There was a set of stairs where the, 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 the three-letter agency people told us that uh, Khalid bin Laden would be on the stairs. We, he was there. He was armed, like I said. And he was engaged by the, the first few guys. I was about eight guys back. We went to the second floor. Um, the guys in front of me split off. I had one guy in front of me, and then we knew we were going to the top floor. And we had already killed, I think, four terrorists, and we knew that Bin Laden had to be up there. And the guy in front of me looking at the stairs through a curtain said, you know, he, he, he convinced me through a number of words that we need to get through there because they're obviously putting on the suicide vest now, and we can beat him. We can win. And um, my job was to squeeze him on the shoulder but I wanted more guys behind me. We didn't have them. I was like, all right, let's just do this. And I just remember thinking, let's just get it over with. We're going to get blown up now. And I'm, I'm tired of thinking about it. Let's go. So we went up and he moved the curtain, jumped on people that he thought were uh, suicide bombers. And because of the tactics, he moved this way. I had to move that way. And when I turned that way, Bin Laden was standing there and he was about four inches taller than me. I saw him. He was a threat. He, I recognized him. I recognized his nose. He was skinnier, older, gray hair. And, um, he wasn't surrendering, and I, I assumed he was a suicide bomber, so I had to shoot him, so I shot him twice in the face. And then he fell down, I shot him again, and then moved his wife out of the way because she was in front of him. Um, saw his son, his young son, and I remember feeling bad because this kid's got nothing to do with this fight. Picked him up, put him next to his mom, and then other Navy SEALs are coming in the room. And, and uh, I kind of looked at them, and, and one of the guys came over to me, and he, I was, that's when it hit me, and I kind of froze, and I said, uh, he goes, are you good? And I said, uh, no, what do we do now? And he said, now we find the computer. Find all the computers, find the intel. We do this every night. And I was like, yeah, you're right. I'm back. Holy shit. And he said, yeah, um, you just killed Bin Laden, man. That is just wild. And so, I mean, it didn't really sink into you, the enormity of it. I think it might have by now, uh, so yeah, many years later. But no. Yes. I know. No, really it's not. That moment. And even then, when you're no, because when my buddy, when my buddy said you just killed Bin Laden, and he kind of said, "He goes, your life just changed. Now let's get let's get to work." And so we didn't. We went and yeah. found the computers, and we got different helicopters, and we we flew out. And then coming back from that, then so now you're back, and I remember. I mean, there were celebrations throughout the country. It was it was wild. It was intense. And it, there was some disbelief. There was like, no, that's not really him. And they can't, you know, all those. Oh, there's still that now too. No, so a lot of people don't believe it's him. There's conspiracy that. theories. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're they're they? the flat earthers too, right? Um, but, totally. Never land on the moon. Yeah. So, and then you come home and you have kind of different relationships with people in the military. There's, there's did it kind of shift for you, the feeling and the vibe that you're Yeah, getting? well, yeah, the whole thing shifted because I was going to retire. And now there's a little bit of negativity because yeah. especially at that level, when people are so close to doing something like that and they don't, they have a tendency to get a little bit jealous. Yeah. And I've seen, I've seen it before on other missions, but this was the biggest one ever. And regardless of how tight-lipped we were supposed to be, no one's going to keep this one a secret. Yeah, because yeah. every single person in every single military branch, as soon as they found out Bin Laden was dead, was the first question they asked, who got him? Yeah. Yeah. And my name, before I even landed back in the States, my name was from East Coast to West Coast. And that was sort of out of your hands. I mean, there was just no stopping that. It is very difficult to get yeah. the shaving cream back in the can. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's out. So now, and I mean, so... How is it to think like your kids may actually read your name in a history book, your grandkids? Oh, they, they've read it. They've read it. Trust me. 
Yeah. There's a good story about one of my kids. And I told them they're not allowed to talk about it. And we have a lot of security in place, a lot of different stuff that we've done. I don't want to get into it. But yeah. the one-year anniversary of Bin Laden's death, we I had my, my kids at a water park in Williamsburg, Virginia. And we're getting ready to get dressed. And we're putting on our suits. And we're going to go swimming. And we had the news on. And I remember the anchor on TV. And I was still in the Navy. They said, um, all right, this is the year anniversary of Bin Laden's death. So right now we're going to take viewer email. The best story of where you were when you found out Bin Laden was dead, send it to us and we'll put it on the air. And my daughter looks up and goes, oh, my God, Dad, you've got to email them and tell them you were in his bedroom. (laughs) How old was she when that happened? Uh, She she was like seven. Oh, my gosh. That's genius. And, yeah, how hard is it for them not to be like, my dad? This, you know? they, 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 they mentioned it to me before when they go to school and people talked about it and like I really just want to raise my hand but I can't do it. Wow and they don't they, do, I mean, so, do they have well, friends they, they that know. don't know like or classmates that may not know who their dad is? Yeah because yeah, like I said there's security stuff in the place and yeah. no one knows who they are. And I'm making- wow that's a but whole they are, other they level. Are, a few of them are funny they're like you know you realize if we say who we are we can totally get a reality show on MTV. <laughs> <laughs> So are they teenagers now? How old? You know what? I don't want to get. I don't want to. Oh talk yeah. About okay. Okay. I was gonna say. Well, good luck then with that. Like when they hit their teen years. Yeah. Old. Assuming they were. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's that. I mean, to just even think about that, and if people understand that level, like that's something that never leaves, right? That impacts your whole family, like their whole dynamics, their whole relationship. What do you, what do you, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah. They can't just like show pictures of their family. They can't like have friends over to their house or anything. I mean, that's, that takes it to another level with that, oh, what yeah. that does. And that lasts, that lasts forever. Yeah. That is a forever, a forever thing. That is crazy. I know. Um, also get to be friends with this guy. I don't know. You heard of Hamidi just seen. He, uh, he is an Iraqi born, uh, now American citizen. And, you know, he was in Saddam's prison when he was 11 year old. He became one of our greatest intelligence assets over there. He has a yeah, wild yeah. And he had to like leave his family and go into hiding. And I was like, so all the things that families go through as well, just for the well-being of our country and for like me sitting here. Well, it's, it stops being interesting to normal people. So people forget about it, except for the actual families. And certainly yeah. the government's not gonna, not going to help us at, at all because there's no more interest in them helping us. So it turns into a very personal thing that you need to you need to defend your entire family. Yeah. And it's like you get the, you know, the families get the what have you done for me lately kind of attitude, you know, um, and it's bad. There are some people, you know, in my world, the widow world, uh, and you get stuck and you think like, well, my husband died for this country. So what do you mean you don't care about that story? And the truth is they don't. There's just too many other stories and too many other people out there serving them. And, but the sooner, I think the sooner that you get that reality through your head, the better chance you have of putting your life back together in a timely fashion. I think that it's people that kind of hang on to the, to the whole, like, well, this is what we went through. This is what we lost. So now everybody should care. And people, not that they don't care, like different, but it just, they just move on. So. You got to move on with them. All right. We'll ask the last couple of questions. We'll let you, let you kids get back to your wife. I'm sure can't wait to have you back. We, 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 are, not getting, we are not getting back to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> You're not that close. <laughs> she will be nowhere near us. Go get some. Money. All right. I'll rephrase that. All right. 
So, you guys are people that tuned in did not get the cookie joke. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not my problem. all right so here one of the reasons that we started this is because um we just actually just got tired we got pissed off at hearing all the bad news constantly spewed out how messed up this country is how you you suck he sucks we all suck and this country is doomed and all that and i was like no you know this isn't this isn't right right so we actually still believe in things like potential and possibility in this country and patriotism and we believe in the american dream and it's what we're trying to help people find it's what we're after ourselves so we like to ask people and i'll ask this from both of you sitting there whoever answers second has time to think about it um what is uh what does the american dream mean to you like do you have an opinion on its viability and what it actually means yeah the possibilities are endless doesn't matter what you look like or where you're from you can do anything you want as long as you keep the right attitude, stop listening to negativity, enjoy positivity. And and people have often asked me, how do I stay positive? My first advice is as soon as you get out of bed in the morning, um, do not turn on Twitter. Do not turn on Instagram. Do something active for 15 minutes, be it stretching or the elliptical. Then go ahead and make coffee. Then after that, if you need to get social media, do that. But stay, don't start the day off with a negative attitude. It will ruin everything. Start to be positive. And like I said, none of us are getting out of this alive anyway. So might as well enjoy yourself. Yeah, I agree, America. I mean, it's the land of opportunity. Um, Nothing's given to you. You got to work for it, but you have the opportunity to work. And a lot, a lot of times, success will follow hard work. I mean, I'm. If it's, it, you can do whatever you want, in America. If America, if America sucks so bad, like the media likes to tell us that we do, why is everyone trying to come here? Not a bunch of caravans heading from the United States to Honduras. If socialism's so great, why aren't we heading to Honduras? All right, good answer. Good answer. All right, so last question unless something else pops up from somebody watching um give them one more chance to get in but if there was somebody that either of you right now if we could hop off this interview and i could send somebody in this whole world that you have not met over to hang out and spend some time with you who would that be larry bird the guy who peed on rob's hands (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so again larry Larry bird Bird. Same same guy. <laughs> All right, so I feel like if you got in touch with Larry Bird's people, Rob, he would come meet you. And Tom, I'm sure that well, guy would come pee on your hands too. Yeah. <laughs> I can only hope. Can we, can we swim? Because I'd like to be the opposite. Um, no, did you see the Instagram feed today where Tom was rooting for my thing and he found my John Rambo bag and Larry Bird warm-up that I have? Yeah. a lifelong self. I grew up watching Larry Bird. I so I'm funny. in the guest room, and there's a Larry Bird warm up. Like, why? Yeah. Why wouldn't that be? Check, here? check the Makuya Instagram feed. Don't pay attention to the Bert and Ernie one. Don't, don't look. Don't at look that. at that. That was a bad idea. <laughs> bad. But we, no, we put the Larry Bird thing. He found the warm up hilarious. I did see that, but I still feel like you could actually meet Larry <laughs> Bird. I mean, you found freaking Bin Laden. I think you could find Larry Bird. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I have faith in you. Okay. Um, are there any more questions that came in that we need to answer, Dave? Are there any more questions that came in that we need to answer? Okay. All right. So I'm going to thank the two of you for taking the time to sit down with us tonight. I think I laughed harder than I worked, but, uh, it was good. It was good fun. And really in all sincerity, thank you so much, Rob, for all you do. Thank you, Todd, for, for supporting him. I guess 
watching over him. Thank, thank you for your, uh, your family service. You. Yes, Bar, thank you very you, much. You are, uh, you are the definition yeah. to keep moving forward, which is what I've been saying all the time. Always keep moving forward. Feet on the ground. Keep moving forward one step at a time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's all you can do, right? So I hope our paths cross again one day. And we'll send everybody towards your nonprofit and try to get, garner some support for that as well. Thanks so much. Right, thank, thank you. You, you guys have an excellent night. Good night, Dave. He said good night, Dave. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much. Bye. All right. There you have it. That wraps up another episode of American Snippets. Thank you so much for tuning in today on this episode with Robert O'Neill. I would personally like to thank Robert O'Neill for being on the show. Uh, thank you for your time. Also want to thank his brother, Tom, for being as on as well. And I also want to thank Rob for his service. Uh, we will never forget uh, because we are a grateful nation and we definitely appreciate everything that you've done for this country and continue to do by lifting up our vets and inspiring people all across the country. If you want to learn more about Robert O'Neill and his story, check out the full article we do on Rob over on American Snippets. It's the featured episode of the week. So you can go to americansnippets.com forward slash zero eight zero. On that page, you'll be able to watch the full video interview. We'll share some links to Rob's social media profiles uh, and his website, which is robertjoneal.com. And lastly, I just want to thank you, the listener. Our listening audience continues to grow each and every week. We've gotten so much positive uh, feedback on what we're doing here uh, and reviews on iTunes. Many of you have left us uh, amazing reviews on the show, but many of you have not left us a review. So if you've gotten any value from any of the episodes that we've done, they've impacted your life somehow, you just enjoyed uh, our episodes, you enjoyed what we're doing here and our mission, please leave us a review. We don't ask a lot, uh, but reviews are really important in helping us get out there in front of new audiences and you know, give us uh, and our guests uh, a bigger platform so we can share these stories and inspire more people. So leave us a review, subscribe, tell a friend, follow us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, at American Snippets, and we will see you next week. Now go out there and show the world how exceptional you truly are. We'll see you next time.